1: Listen to The Deal on
0: Spotify.
2: Yo, what's up, everybody? This is uh, Jordan McGuire at Holy Land, and we are here uh, bringing you the instant Recap. As always, I am with my co-host, Christopher Rennie. Uh, how you doing today chris
0: we're doing really well uh actually coming into this pretty relaxed for the first time in a long time so it's actually really nice it was a it was a solid game today i'm excited to get talking about it
2: yeah i agree
0: 100 uh, percent.
2: i'm really struggling though i don't know what victory i want to talk about what victory is more important blowing up purdue or getting sunny styles
0: yeah it's a big saturday for ohio state um uh, I know the safety position. Uh, we're not like you're recruiting insiders by any means, but we've very much highlighted that as a position of need and getting a more versatile defensive backfield. So Sonny Styles, I think, is the win of the day. Uh, but I do think the win against Purdue can't be understated with their history of upsets and stuff and how Ohio State has direct ranked opponents that Purdue's played as comparisons to what they did to Purdue. So the committee can't. Look at this game and be like, oh, yeah, Ohio State just beat this, like, schmuck Big Ten West school. Like, no, they respected them. They ranked them. And Ohio State housed a team that beat two top five opponents.
2: Yeah, that's fact. So we're in a, in a lucky position where we get to be the first ones to react to the Sunny Styles news. So I do want to talk about it for, like, two or three minutes just very quickly before we get into the game. Uh, because the next time you'll hear us is on Friday. And at that point, who knows what's going to happen? So – just you, you kind of touched on it a little bit. We watched the game a, a, a big week. we don't like to disparage players and, and we really try yeah. to talk about players in like a, a educational or like a factual sense but not like take cheap shots. But if we're just being honest, Bryson is not that good. He is obviously the weak league on the defense, even to the point where Tommy Eichenberg has looked better uh, partially because he's playing less. So when he gets in, he makes a couple plays and then gets out before you can kind of make some mistakes. So, Bryson Shaw is really the weak link. Um, we have Josh Proctor who was injured, um, so hopefully he's coming back. But safety is really an area that we really, really need people. Um, we we've talked about all of the summer if you've been listening to us, to us with Buckoff, how there was a dip in DB recruiting. And then it it jumped up with corners, and we have a lot of really good corners in the wing, including um, Denzel Burke, obviously. It also jumped up with kind of like the bullet position. We got the Ronnie Hickmans and Cam Martinez and that kind of stuff. But we weren't really getting the true safeties. We were getting a lot of hybrid guys. A lot of the guys that we thought could play safety are not playing safety. Ronnie Hickman's not playing safety. Cam Martinez is not playing safety. Latham Ransom's not playing safety. Um, I believe we have a couple of safeties on the roster that are freshmen who – you know, it's fine. They weren't ready to play. Uh, most freshmen are not. But we have whatever freshmen that are on the roster that will be sophomores next year. We're leaning towards um, Xavier Nwongba and hopefully Zion Branch. And then we just got Sonny Styles. So, and again, you know, like you already said, we're not recruiting experts. But what do you think the Sonny Styles commitment means for Ohio State uh, from the lens of he's a five-star from Ohio but he wasn't guaranteed. Um, it was very, very possible that he was going to Notre Dame. And then also, just how do you feel about safety recruiting as a whole in this um, 2021, 2022, and 2023 class?
0: Yeah, so I, I think uh, this has to be a point of emphasis, obviously, and they're making it that. Uh, I think, you know, getting the two Branch brothers is important to this team as well. Uh, it, Xavier and Wong put can change everything because, you know, you get him in the room, you get the two branch brothers in the room, and then you get Sonny styles in the room that gives you so much creative defensive versatility, because I don't think a lot of people understand that like Sonny styles is technically a safety, but he's going to be a uh, like six, 225, 230 pound guy. So I, I've been seeing the comparison, think the mold Isaiah Simmons type player where he can literally just do everything. So the more, good players you have, uh, the more you could have a nice hybrid type player that you could just kind of have him fill in the weak spots against certain matchups. And that's kind of why the 2022 class with Nwankpa and Branch is so important because that gives you so much more positional freedom with Sonny Styles.
2: Yeah, I agree 100%. Because if we're being honest, if you kind of watch a little bit of his tape and his highlights, Sonny Styles is most likely going to play bullet for us. Uh, and by the time he comes in, Ronnie Hickman will probably be to the league, uh, after the 2023 season. Uh, so he's probably, you know, he has a chance to start immediately, uh, at that bullet position. And that's going to be even more, it's honestly even more important, like you said, why we get Xavier and Wonka, because if we have him and we have someone that's locking down the free safety, that's going to allow them to not pigeonhole Sonny Styles and make him a free safety, where I think he'd be a good free safety, but he's definitely, you know, Blitz him, put him in the box, that kind of stuff. I think he's gonna be really good in the bullet and kind of like. I mean, Ronnie Hickman's really good. I don't know enough to say if Sonny Styles is a better cover guy than him. That's kind of that's probably Ronnie Ronnie Hickman's biggest weakness is man coverage. But nobody's perfect. But like, you can very easily see Sonny Styles fitting into that bullet hybrid role. Um, Maybe he won't do it in college like he did in, in high school because it's just a little bit different. But in high school, he gets down on the line of scrimmage and rushes sometimes. Like Yeah, he you know, plays defense end at times. So, And he's a guy that he plays on offense as well. So it's just another one of those guys kind of like Cam Martinez that if they get the ball in their hands on a fumble or a pick, they, they can take it for six because they played the offense.
0: Um, yeah, 100%. And another big thing that we need to highlight on this was – Uh, Marcus Freeman's been making it a point of emphasis for Notre Dame to get involved in Ohio and Sonny Stiles, brother Lorenzo Stiles jr is actually a Notre Dame wide receiver right now. Who's getting significant playing time and being a legitimate weapon for the Notre Dame fighting Irish Uh, being able to overcome that familial relationship and get him back to his home ties with his dad was a huge win. And I think the coaching staff needs a lot of credit for being able to kind of stay off that momentum that was kind of building for Notre Dame in Ohio.
2: Yeah. And you absolutely
0: had to get him for multiple reasons. Uh, you never want to miss on a
2: legacy. Uh, speaking of uh, Will Smith, Jr. Uh, Will Smith Senior's son was here. He's not as high of a recruit, but uh, if he's anything like his dad, he's going to be pretty solid. Um, so um, he, he was here. You don't, well, you really don't want to miss on a legacy, especially when they're good. Like, it's different when it's like Kirk Herbstreak's son is on here as a walk on or something like that, I believe. But like, when they're like actually good, you don't want to miss on a legacy. Um, Ohio State has lost brothers and other players to Notre Dame just in general. I was listening to a podcast with Ohio State and Notre Dame, and they talked about how many different like brothers, yeah. one went to Notre Dame and one went to Ohio State. That happens a lot. Um, And, you know, people were talking who know a lot more than us, said that it felt, you know, that um, Sonny was a little bit more tied to Ohio State, whereas Lorenzo didn't really care to follow in his father's legacy kind of thing. Uh, But still, it doesn't matter. Like, Notre Dame put up a really good push. Notre Dame was was very much – Jesus Christ, I'm sorry. Texas Tech won, but they hit a 62-yard field goal. To win the game. 62 yards in college. That is, okay, I'm sorry. That's just the stupidest thing I've ever seen uh, in college. We always talk about college kickers suck. Uh, all, this is the time to put in our our weekly Noah Ruggles. Please come back next year. A uh, little pitch to Noah. But, yeah, um, as we kind of wrap up on recruiting and actually talk about this game, it was just very important get, Um, especially when it comes to the Notre Dame thing. Because anything can happen, but Notre Dame already got that one defensive end, uh, the four, high four-star defensive end from Cleveland, I believe. Yeah, um, You couldn't let him – you couldn't let Notre Dame get that kid and Sonny Styles out of Ohio in the same class.
0: Yeah, not a chance. And like you said, like we always talk about, like anyone who covers recruiting talks about when you have a talent-rich state building the walls up to keep other programs out for the top 10 to 15 players in the state that you want is the most crucial thing you need to establish as a head coach, as a recruiting uh, personnel director like that is priority one. and they had to reestablish that.
2: Yeah, 100%. And not that you wish bad on anyone, but a lot of times the big name players that leave out of Ohio to go other places, they don't have a good career. Uh, all the time, or as good as projected. So sometimes you can, like, convince yourself to be like, oh, that's why Ohio State didn't go as hard. Like, Jackson Carmine didn't live up to his hype. He was, like, a second- and third-round pick. But when he came out of Ohio, Ohio State fans were tripping because they are like, this is the next number one pick. And there have been some other players like that as well. So who knows how the defensive end's career is going to go. Obviously, wish him all the best. You don't want him to wish anyone wrong. But um Sonny is a guy who needed. You, you can lose a prospect or two uh, one, every once in a while, but you could not have lost Sonny, um, especially because he's a five-star at a position of need. And, again, my last thing on this, when you're in a talent-rich state, you really want to get everyone in the top five, but you always want to get the number one player in your state every single year. That's just like a, that should be a goal. Number one player in your state every single year needs to go to your school. And Ohio and North Carolina and Michigan and Ellis and and Louisiana and Georgia, that big school in every state, the number one player needs to go to your school. So, that's yeah, all man. I got. That's all I got in recruiting. Um, do you have any any other thing as we kind of wrap up the Sonny Styles thing?
0: No, I just think it was awesome that he committed and then was a guest at the game as an unofficial visitor. Uh, and- so it really worked out. He got a nice reward for kind of seeing something that could really uh, ensure he made the right decision.
2: Yeah, for sure. And he also got to see someone play a position worse than him and say, ah, there's my spike. Probably be out there right now
0: and <laughs> doing a little bit more.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, let, let's get into this game. Um, Ohio State won and a blowout. Uh, you, this is safe to call a blowout. They won. um why am I, why am I where's all of my stats and stuff at either way they won fifty nine to thirty one sorry I was you know bad podcasting I'm trying to find all my notes Ohio State beats purdue fifty nine to thirty one uh they cover the spread for anyone that cares about that and it was really a dominant showing all around I know you hear thirty one points and you don't think that's necessarily dominant on the defense that's fine we're gonna get into that but especially offensively uh It was a dominant showing. So, as always, you know, I like to ask your initial thoughts. We're a little late because we talked about recruiting, but what are your initial thoughts, uh, anything that you want to say about the game?
0: Yeah, I think this was uh, a great performance for Ohio State. You know, the offense kind of got to click a little bit more. You know, we got to see – Ohio State had to take on a very good defensive front seven, and I was interested to see if this was a game where Ohio State wins at throwing the ball 50 times or – you know, with a balanced offensive attack, and they attacked with a lot of balance. So uh, as you know, we kind of prepare for that home stretch, uh, that is going to be extremely important to continue. And I think my biggest initial takeaway was that is the offense that can win a national championship, the one we saw today. Uh, The defense, you know, I think Purdue's a really good offensive team. Uh, We've seen them take on some really good defenses and do some damage. So I'm not too concerned about the 31 points, especially with how much they had to work for it and how many passes they had to throw for it. So overall, I just think this was a game against a really good football team that Ohio State dominated, and that's the takeaway. I don't think fans should have any complaints about this one.
2: Yeah, and especially because when you think of the 31 points, at no point in time was a game close. It's like they scored 31, but it's not like it was close at a certain point and Ohio State had to pull away. It's every single time. And a part of it, the 31 points, is just how fast Ohio State was scoring. Like you said, Purdue's a good offense. Ohio State's scoring in literal seconds sometimes, so Purdue's getting more chances and more time and and that kind of stuff. Um, And so I just think that that kind of led to it a little bit. And I agree that I'm not going to be – too concerned about the 31 points because Purdue is one of the better offenses in the country. And we talked about this before on buck off yesterday. It's hard to shut down an offense that is fully committed to the pass. Like that's all they're going to do. They're not going to pretend to run the ball. They're not trying for balance. They're just going to sit back and, and run the ball and pass the ball. And when someone does that, you have to be perfect. And for the most part, Ohio State played really, really well. I mean, Nobody had a spectacular day on them. A lot of, They forced a lot of short passes. Um, they forced a lot of short passes and tackled. Uh, there was no 30, 40, 50-yard gains, especially for touchdowns. Um, and I think we talked about this before we started recording. The thing you have to remember is, like, sure, if this was Georgia's defense and they allowed 31, maybe you're not happy. Maybe you're a little concerned. But we got to remember what defense we are here and how the season started like I said, when we talked before the game, if we played Purdue week one or two, they're putting up 50 on us. Um, so this was a good showing by the defense. Uh, definitely.
0: Yeah. Like, obviously, like we're not saying there's still not things to work on. Like, obviously you want to defend the RPO and the quick game better, but David Bell didn't go off for a monster 200 yards. They never were in striking distance. And, Every single time they scored, they had to earn every single ounce of the drive. So I I like that with the defense. And once again, we've struggled as a team Ohio State has on third down. Purdue did take advantage of that pretty well, like some teams in the past have. So once again, it's just kind of something that's killed us in the past coming back and getting us. But it didn't seem like there was too much to work on. They defended the run well. Uh, Aiden O'Connell had to throw the ball 50 two times, I think is what the number was. So uh, that is a performance where you can live with it. Yeah,
2: excuse me, 100% you can live with it. And you talked about balance and the offense. Ohio State had five different players um, who were – they had four players who essentially had 100-yard days and another one who was close – Mayan Williams, 14 carries, 117 yards. Trevion Henderson, 13 carries for 98 yards. That's essentially 100 yards. Uh, Garrett Wilson, 10 for 126. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigman, nine for 139. So three players with a 100-yard day, one player with 98, and then Chris Alave had nine for 85. That's five players within 15 yards of 100. That's ridiculous that, like, everyone was eating, everyone was getting what they were supposed to. And, you again, we always talk before the show. I think we mention that occasionally, but you mentioned before the show, Alave should have had more because they freaking took away a 50-yard bomb from him. That was a touchdown. So he could have been in that 130 range as well. Um, so, yeah, it was a good offensive day, and it was a very balanced offensive day. Everyone ate the running game. Uh, again, You have when you have two running backs who essentially run for 100 yards, the running game was working. There were holes. George Karloftis didn't do anything of, of note. It was a, a really good day for this offense, and this is the offense that – we expected this is the offense that we wanted to see and this is the offense we haven't seen for the last two or so weeks
0: yeah and you know the funniest thing about it is I don't think I saw CJ Stroud scramble one time he didn't need And to. I think you pulled I think you pulled the ball one time and ran for negative two yards so you know I'm really a fan of when the offense is flowing in every other direction and he doesn't have to run
2: yeah, and that's that's a good point, credit to the offensive line, because there were some times where we got off schedule, some third and eights, third and nines, third and elevens. We didn't punt into the third quarter. Uh it's a lot of thirds. We didn't punt into yeah. the third quarter because they were picking up those long ones. But with a pass rusher like uh Loftus, you think, man, third and eight? You don't want to be in there because he's just gonna tee off. Even in those, like this is a passing situation.
0: Passing situations, yeah. He didn't do
2: anything. I don't like. I sea I, I don't know if he even had a pressure. It felt like he didn't get close to Stroud all day.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I think NPF earned himself a lot of money today. Like, I think he's got a few opportunities the next couple of weeks going to get some pretty good pass rushers uh, to yeah. continue to earn that money as well. So, uh. I, I think the offensive line is something we have to highlight as well before we get any further. Uh, yeah. This was their most complete performance as a team, in weeks yeah. and probably, honestly, on the season.
2: Yeah, it honestly really is. And that's the thing that's like people are going to listen to that and roll their eyes because, again, it's like they gave up 31 points. But you really have to look beyond the stats um, at some of this. You have to look behind the stats on some of this and realize that, you know, they did play pretty well. Um
0: yeah, it, it was just—it was just a good—it was a good team game. Uh, everyone kind of had their role. Everyone played their part, and that's like everyone wants to say, like you want to start playing your best football in November. If this is the start of that, like I think Ohio State's in a very good place to move. forward.
2: Yeah, I mean, if this is the start of that, this is a uh, going to be what we're going to see the next two weeks, uh, because uh, Michigan
0: State and
2: Michigan, while good teams they do not have the offense that Purdue
0: has. Not a chance. And we saw that today. Uh, we saw that last week with Michigan State taking on Purdue. Uh, you know, and I, I just need to um, say this. Uh, I'm, I, I'm excited. It's just, it's weird being on this show being like happy, you know, because we've always found that one thing to get mad about, and I just can't find it today.
2: Yeah, and it's either the one thing to get mad about, or it's like the caution: this is Maryland, so you're not going to be too happy. Purdue is a good team; they're going to finish eight and four. And as much as I don't think Notre Dame is a good team, Purdue should if they if Purdue would have done what Alabama and all these other teams do and didn't schedule a big Power Five game, they would probably be they would probably end the season nine and three. That's a really good year.
0: Yeah,
2: without a doubt, honestly. They just played Notre Dame. And I, I don't know why the hell they played Notre Dame. It's probably some, like, Midwest – like, Purdue's not even – it's probably some Midwest academic thing because Purdue's not a religious institution. So I genuinely really no. just don't know. It's probably some, like, India because they're both in Indiana, right? It's probably some, like, Midwest-Indiana, yeah. like, fake rivalry. Let's play Tony Sure, DS. Yeah, there's
0: a, le- there's a legitimate rivalry, and I think it has a trophy. Does it? Do they yeah, always play uh, Notre Dame? Uh, they do not always play them, but it used to be an every year rivalry.
2: Okay. All right. So that's fair. But yeah, so they had that game. Like if they would have played a scrub, like most teams, they'd finish the season nine and three. And that is a hell of a year. Um, So you can't really be mad at that. It's, it's kind of like weird, you know, like you said, being happy and trying to go over it. It's like, I'm looking at the stats and and stuff that I want to talk about. And it's just like. It was perfect for the most part. It, it was a really good game. Um, but one, well, so I guess one thing that we can talk about, uh, we had mentioned it on Buckoff and um, before. You sometimes you have to treat really good players, really good wide receivers, especially. Sometimes you have to treat them like LeBron. Sometimes you have to treat them like Kawhi. Um, some like you know, and, and anyone who doesn't get the reference, I'm saying. Let them get theirs and stop everyone else. Like, LeBron can go for 40, but you need 100 points to win this game. If he has 40 and nobody else can get off, we're still going to win. You know, Kawhi can go off, but if PG doesn't go off, we're still going to win. Like, when you have those second stars, those other players, that kind of stuff, sometimes you just got to let that guy go off. And, you know, I won't say that he went off, but he had a good day, 11 catches for 103 yards, but he didn't have a touchdown. And he didn't have a back-breaking play at any point, point. and it felt like he didn't have a big play really. I mean, you know, we you you had mentioned those third downs. His biggest plays were like three, four-yard catches on third down to keep to keep them their offense moving.
0: Yeah, and honestly, the thing with David Bell is like I think we were talking about a pre-show, and you brought it up. A lot of his big plays came from missed tackles, and you know, if you're going and you're a star receiver and you're averaging uh just under 10 yards per catch like that means the defense is doing a really good job at what they're supposed to be doing just limiting you from getting loose getting outside and that's why I think Denzel Burke actually had a really good day despite giving up 100 yards to a receiver because guess what that 11 for 103 could have easily turned from like to 11 to like 180 if he didn't tackle well
2: yeah, and I don't think all those 100s were on Denzel Burke because uh, David Bell moved around. But, like, exactly, you're 100% right. Like, he didn't miss a tackle. Honestly, Bell's biggest play was maybe a BS pass interference that was drawn on Burke. Like, that wasn't too yeah. Burke was – he played really, really well. Uh, anytime – I mean, Purdue doesn't go deep often, but anytime they tried to go deep to Bell, he was always there. And it was literally – you caught it at three, you ran to six – I tackled you. I pushed you out of bounds. No broken tackles, no big plays. Uh, and that is, and that's hard for a DB. It's hard, especially when you see stuff in front of you to not jump, you know, and try to get an interception. And then when you miss it, they get an extra 20 yards, that kind of stuff. He played very sound. And f- especially for a freshman, that is, that's big.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I think he played exactly how you'd want your number one corner to play. And that was like, Fearless, short memory, uh, and play after play, just kind of lining up and just being ready for whatever they threw at him. Yeah,
2: and Purdue tested him. They did not respect him. He is the number one corner, but they didn't play him like it. They threw his way a lot, um, and a part of that is just the confidence in Bell that it doesn't matter who's guarding him. But it wasn't a, a game where they shied away from him, and so he got tested. And he, I, for my, in my opinion, he passed.
0: Yeah, and I think. Um, like we talked about David Bell's for sure, probably a top five receiver in the big 10. Uh, he's just one of those guys who just makes plays. He's an all around type of receiver. He reminds me a lot of like who Alan Robinson was when he was at Penn state. I think someone else called him Tyler Boyd. Like that's their comparison for him. A uh, high volume, a lot of receptions, good yards after catch guy, but nothing like too crazy athletically, but he just gets the job done and he got the job done today. It's just not the same job that he had been doing.
2: Yeah, exactly. And again, he's you treat him like LeBron. You let him get his you let him get his eleven catches, you let him get his hundred yards, it helps his stats, it helps push him towards an all American. Maybe he wins the bulletin in the cough, maybe he wins the best whatever the wide receiver award in the Big Ten is, but he didn't beat you.
0: Nope. He and didn't that's win thing- that game. That's something, as an Ohio State group, you can take away because, like, once you do go and play another elite receiver, you have a guy you can trust to limit him.
2: Yep, exactly, um, especially when that other team's quarterback's not going to throw 50
0: times. Yeah, and I'm going to be honest. Uh, I think we did – I found my one thing to complain about, honestly, and it's not who you think, but I do think uh, – there needs to be a very different rotation on the cornerback position opposite of Denzel Burke. And I think it needs to start with some youth and Cam Brown.
2: Yeah, honestly, at this point in the season, even if they weren't ready early, like, they should be ready now. And and we've seen enough of number seven. Uh, I literally make the joke on Twitter, uh, give up seven points, Banks, uh, because he's he's a guaranteed touchdown. Um, yeah,
0: that's, that's a good one. Honestly, I, I wish I came up with that one. That's a good one. <laughs> so it's just it's just like, yeah. So uh, he, he's not who
2: you really want out there in in those big games. Uh, Cam Brown has been very, very good. And it's very unfortunate that he's been injured because... I, and maybe it wouldn't matter because at heart, Kerry Coombs does like to rotate. But I do feel like if Cam Brown wasn't on some sort of a snap count we would see a lot less number seven, and we'd kind of be more traditional, you know, know, two corners that don't leave the field.
0: Yeah, I'm with that for sure. Uh, But, yeah, I think that is an issue that we could highlight. And then just kind of inconsistencies from uh, the deep safeties today. I think those were kind of the two issues I saw mostly on the defense. Uh, So I I think those are all fixable, but I think – we already kind of hit on it. You need to be – if you're not going to be a big-time playmaker on the defense, you have to at least be fundamentally sound and in the right place at all times. Like, Tuff Borland was never going to make the huge play, but he was always in the right place. That's yeah. what Bryson Shaw needs to be.
2: And, and we kind of talked about it. Like, the difference is Tommy Eichenberg has gotten a lot better with that. And he he's. – I'm not going to assume he's always in the right place but he's either in the right place or close enough that it hasn't been noticeable because before it was like number 35 is, it's literally going the wrong direction. He's running into his guys, stopping them from making the play. And so he's been better. And I haven't really seen that improvement from number 17. Um, and that is concerning. And, and it's largely concerning that there's no one else who can play that position where it's either Ohio State is blindly believing in him or they they just haven't developed anybody else.
0: Yeah, I'm honestly just thinking about it like uh, we've talked about Lathan Ransom, we've talked about Cameron Martinez, we've talked about all of these other guys and they're really good at certain things, but I, it's just like do you really tr- the coaching staff probably would have already tried something new if they had a person on their roster that they even trusted to throw out there.
2: Yeah, Which is, and it's fair. Again, it's fair, but it's not fair. It's fair that there's not a freshman who's good enough to take his spot. You're a freshman. Yeah. You're not supposed to be able to play at Ohio State. But where are the sophomores and juniors at? Like, that's the issue. And that's that's that gap
0: in that class. In the but recruiting, yeah. Those are the ones that throw It's one of those – he's one of those examples. And I think it's un—it's a little unfair for him as well because he was never supposed to play this much of a role in the team uh, because it was Josh Proctor's team at safety, you know? Yeah. So, like, you're asking for a guy who is probably set to be relatively a situational player, relatively a guy who came in in garbage time to play legitimate snaps and be the starter. That's a big ask of a guy. Yeah. That's 100% facts. But we still need to see some improvement, especially in the fundamental things, because that's where you can make up for a lot of the other stuff. Like that touchdown that they gave up today when he was in in quarters and he sucked in on the play action, should have never happened.
2: Yeah, like you put it in our group chat, and it's like Purdue has given up on running the ball. They throw the ball on average 40 to 50 times a game, and you bite on play action.
0: Yeah, and they weren't even running the ball successfully with just the six in the box. So, like, you are secondary in that situation. Full proof, like, need to be back
2: yeah i i yeah i don't I don't know and that's the sad thing it's like you can say that you don't expect like it's kind of unfair and I do agree with that, but the thing that's not unfair is that we haven't seen growth like I understand that his potential may not be as high as some people because he wasn't supposed to be in that position, but even in the position that he's in, I just haven't seen uh, enough growth um where we've seen growth from other players. Like, we've seen growth from Tommy E. We've even seen growth from Lathan Ransom. I mean, it's it's a scary sight when he's one-on-one against a slot receiver. But, like, any other area of the field, he's gotten a little bit better at zone. He's actually a plus defender at blitz. And he's a pretty sure tacular now, I think I'm comfortable saying. Um, yeah, as long as it's not one-on-one against a receiver. He's
0: a short-tacular. Yeah.
2: And and, and 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 you can have a deficiency. And it's up to the yeah. coach. It's up to the coach to not put you out there to be one on one against the receiver. Like, no mm-hmm. one is perfect. No one has no defenses, deficiencies. Uh, even Chase Young had a deficiency. You got you to squint to find it. Uh, but, like, Lathan Ransom's not Chase Young. So.
0: Yeah. So I, I think, uh, once again, like, these are just kind of nitpicky comments at this point because Ohio State, like, there were a few. There was just like a few bad plays defensively, and the rest was just Purdue actually being good at offense. And yeah, I think it's like what we always talk about. Other coaches are paid too. Like Jeff Brom is legitimately a one of those crazy offense. He's like a mad scientist as an offensive line. Like they went with a center. The tight end snapped the ball on the hash and had their offensive line splitting the numbers in the hash. Like everyone's like kind of laughing and making fun of it, but when. Your talent isn't to the level of your competition. That's the type of stuff you have to do. And it's one of those things, like, I remember a coach told me there's, like, a reason, a secondary reason you put in trick plays. There's a secondary reason you put in some funky formations. Because, like, even if the other team has to spend five extra minutes game planning for it, it was worth it.
2: Yep, 100%. Um, and, and 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 even to do that play, you have to know the rules. Like, you have to know that that guy's eligible. You have to know that that's legal. You have to know that he can catch. Like, there are a lot of stuff that kind of goes into that. And then the one touchdown, which I, I think, like, PFF and those kind of people are going to credit that to Denzel Burke. So, he's going to have given up his first touchdown this season in coverage. That yeah. was perfect. They put quads in the boundary. They were in a high-low. Ohio State didn't have enough people because no one puts quads in the boundaries. And literally, Denzel Burke is a one on two, and either you go deep or you go short. They sneak the guy out behind Denzel. He goes short because that's the guy in front of him. And the the dude, I think it's the running back, he was wide open. That's perfect. That that coach designed that up. They executed it perfectly, and he gets paid millions to do that.
0: And that's one of those things we talked about last week was like, Coaches have certain play designs for specific situations, and they got that situation. There's like three or four things that needs to go into that to work, and they got everything they needed from that look.
2: Yeah, and Denzel Burke did. Ex- it's it's like a it's like a zone read, like like what Ohio State did a lot to George Karloff Is you put a player in a position where he has to make a play, and you read off of that. And they put Denzel Burke in a position where it was one against two. He chose, and unfortunately, I mean, it would have been great if he chose the deep guy and they had to throw short, but he he chose the one they wanted him to choose. He chose the one that was short, and they went over top of him. That was a great play. I'm not mad at the defense for that. I'm not. That's bravo. Beautiful. That was a great play to
0: Yeah, and a word to Bryson Shaw, uh quote uh, from his press conference after the game. Some of us didn't do our jobs, myself included. We'll get those things corrected. So, Taking ownership of his failures, I gotta, I gotta give him some credit there. Manning up, facing the media, got to give him some respect. That, yeah, I agree with that. Shout out to that. It's tougher, tougher, like college kids to do that and do it like pretty eloquently, for sure.
2: So we're thirty minutes of this podcast. We we haven't been positive, but we haven't been negative either which is not fair because this game, we need to be a lot more positive. So we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and end on all positives because there has been some... Not necessarily records, but there's some, been some accomplishments we need to talk about. There was an amazing day from Garrett Wilson we haven't talked about. So Ryan Day's
0: back in his bag. we got to talk yeah. about that.
2: So we're, we're going to come back and talk about all the good things now that we've talked about the defense and some of the, the struggles and, and that kind of stuff. We don't really need to talk about stats. It was perfect. So we're going to just come back and uh, just be very positive because – man, that was a great game to watch. And there's so many good players that, so many good things happen. Uh, so with that, we're gonna go uh, to our sponsors and our ads, and then we'll be right back.
1: Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment
2: instant recap show as always I'm your host Jordan Williams and I'm here with my co-host Christopher Rennie and now we just get to talk about the fun parts of the game no more deep analysis no more what does this mean for this and who did this like no we're, we're only talking about big things big games big stats big moments um so I know what I want to talk about I have some stuff in the show plan but I want you to go first what which one of these whether it's on the show plan or not what stood out to you
0: yeah, uh, I'm going to go with Day. Uh, Ryan Day getting back into his play calling bag. And I think there's like a few reasons for it. Number one, Purdue runs exclusively man coverage. Uh, Ryan Day was going to eat that alive, without a doubt, from the channel. But two, just having that sheer, that sheer instinct to just absolutely kind of have his thumb on the pulse of the game like he did today. And just kind of always have the right play dialed up, planning ahead, you know. This is something we really challenged him. I don't. I don't think he heard us, but like we really were challenging him to come out and give us a game where we're like, "Hey, that's a Ryan Day. We know that's the Savage Ryan Day. That's the Clemson Ryan Day. That's a guy who's not going to take an L at all, any chance moving forward." And that's a guy we got. Um, you know, we lined up in bunch formations. We lined up in motion. A bunch of receivers around. You know, this was like the first game in a while. It felt like there was a sense of trying to misdirect the defense rather than just lining up and being like, Hey, we're better than you. Let us be better than you. And it worked exceptionally well. Uh, The one thing I'm going to be interested in moving forward, will Ryan day continue doing this, continue being in his bag when he plays a team that drops eight, when he plays a Michigan team that doesn't rely heavily on man to man coverage, when he plays Michigan state next week, who's got a vaunted corners or uh, quarters look like, How is he going to attack those? Will he come back and have the same semblance of the thumb on the pulse? And will he be able to keep CJ Stroud patient enough to strike in these moments?
2: Yeah, I think, uh, I think you made good points. There's two things that stick out to me about today with Ryan day. Uh, First, you already mentioned it. We played bunch, like forget the motion. We've seen him do motion. He just needs to bring that back. Ohio state has been getting killed with bunch all year and it, football is a copycat league, and it took way too long for Ryan Day to employ Bunch, especially yeah. when you consider how good our receivers are. Like for us, not like you can you can't guard them one on one. What do you think you're going to do when you put them in Bunch and you have no idea which way they're going? And literally, the Bunch touchdown—that was the Jackson Smith one, or was that Garrett Wilson?
0: I think it scored two out of it. Yeah, what was the one that was, like, really, really wide open? The oh, right, that was Jackson Smith, yeah, for yeah, sure. Ja- they, was- ran, they ran the soft screen, then they ran a guy out up the field, yep. and then Jackson Smith just followed and then was wide open. Yeah, that was
2: literally the easiest touchdown of Jackson Smith in Jacob's life. And it was because they ran one bunch. It's not because he's faster than people he is. It's not because he's more athletic. He is. It's not because he ran a great route. He probably did. It was literally, it was bunch formation. They didn't know who was going where. And he literally just took a couple fake steps and ran straight and was wide, wide, wide open. And it's like, it's little things like that where it's like, Ryan Day, don't overthink yourself. Don't overthink yourself. You have the athlete's. Just do, do this stuff sometimes. The other one for me was the aggressiveness. He didn't take his foot off the gas. I mean, we already mentioned it. It should have been a touchdown. It was some BS. But the Chris Alave one, that came a little bit later in the game when we were up by a million, and he's still going deep. He brought out the – um. it didn't. It, it ended up being a, a drop pass by Olave and it wasn't a great ball by, uh, by Stroud, even though it was kind of tight coverage. But he brought out the under center uh, in the red zone again, Um, the other set of play action always works. It always works, especially Um, in the red zone. Yeah. And, and hold on, I want to get the official numbers. Um, but just in general, his play, his play calling in the red zone was really good. They were five for six. In the red zone. And I honestly don't even... I don't remember... The sixth one was uh, was when they kneeled it out. Yeah, right? Okay, that's what I thought. They were 5-for-5 in the red zone after struggling for two weeks. And it was because they got the running game going, and because they did some motions, and because they were more aggressive once they hit that 20-22, that kind of stuff, and didn't get too deep. Um, Yeah. Like, the aggressiveness was there. And that helped in the red zone. The creativity was there. So you're 100% right. Ryan Day was in his bag. Um, and it's about freaking time.
0: Yeah. And like one last thing on it, like we kept seeing our defense struggle with checks and like calls when they teams would come out and bunch in motion and do all that stuff. Like it was nice seeing the other defense having those same struggles this week and yeah. like not knowing what to do. Like Ohio State's coming out in bunch. Oh my God, they're motioning Garrett Wilson. How are we going to check? Are we checking this across to you? Are you taking him or am I running across with him? And then half the time, guess what? we'd have a receiver running by themselves. And when you see Jackson Smith and Jigwell with a ball like that in space, wide open, like that's deadly. And it's something you can do consistently.
2: Yeah. And I want to give him credit for one other thing. Announcers and broadcasters are not typically right, but sometimes the top, top teams are, and we got the top one of the top teams and they were right about something. Ryan Day was putting George Karloftis in a blender. Like with running directly, first of all, when you have a really good defensive end, a lot of times you try to always run away from him. And it's like they ran directly at him. They made him the read guy. They ran away from him. They, they chipped him. They did all of this kind of stuff where he couldn't be confident because he didn't know what was going on. Is it pass? Is it run? Are they running my way? They sprinted out his direction. They sprinted out away from him like, And a lot of the stuff they made him the focal point. They didn't play scared of him, but they respected him enough to be like, you to for you to stop us, you have to make superhuman plays. You have to decide, are you taking the quarterback or the running back? Are you going and 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 just the motions and the back and forth, a lot of it aimed directly at him? It starts to make you as a player, no matter how good you are, it makes you indecisive. And that is when you can snap. There's two plays in particular, they were both touchdowns. They're doing all of this stuff, George Karloff this. He gets antsy, jumps inside, boom, Trevion Henderson's touchdown. That touchdown. doesn't happen if you're not putting, like, making him overthink. The second time, they just leave him unblocked.
0: Garrett Wilson's freezes. Touchdowns. He froze. So he was, like, literally, like, oh, my God, no one's blocking me. This hasn't happened since I was, like, a sophomore in high school. And he didn't know what to do.
2: He didn't know if he should. He didn't know if he should go up. He didn't know if he should get the quarterback go outside. He didn't know what to do. Garrett Wilson scores. So that is another thing of Ryan Day in his bag. And I appreciate that because a lot of times George Kloff is really good. Like we talked about, he's. I don't know if it was on Buckoff or if it was on I seventy show, but he's either the best or the second best defensive player in the Big Ten. People are yeah. saying he's a top ten pick. Probably top fifteen, especially without good quarterbacks. Like he's going to go pretty high. He's going to have a long career. He's very good, and and so that was again that was Ryan Day, and, and it was the players they executed. But the the design of making him a focal point and making him overthink comes from the coaching staff. That comes from Day. That come from Kevin Wilson, and they did a really good job today.
0: Yeah, I think they designed a really good awesome. plan of attack and stuck to it. Yep. So, for me, the first
2: one I want to bring up is I just have to bring up Garrett Wilson. It's literally like Garrett Wilson saw Jackson Smith and Jigba last week and was like, hold on, little bro. Hold my beer. Like, like you're good. You're good. 100%. It's like, you're good. But, like, I'm the big dog still. Like, it's me. This is my team. And I also like that it felt, I don't want to say forced, but it felt emphasized. It was like Ryan They were like, listen, man, you 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 missed a game. We're going to get you back. We're, we're going to work you into it. There was a lot of things that were definitely called for Garrett Wilson and he yeah. executed. And then other stuff was just in the flow of the game because he's a good wide receiver. But early, some of it was kind of like, we have to get him involved and he executed. And it's, it's just like, it's amazing that you can have a receiver go for a career day and have 200-something yards and all of this kind of stuff. And then the next day, you can have another receiver have a career day and have four touchdowns. Like, that's just disgusting in the best way possible.
0: It's truly, like, it it emphasizes, like, the embarrassment of riches Ohio State has a receiver. But, like, the craziest part about Garrett Wilson's day to me was it was (laughs) everything looked effortless, but everything looked, like, insanely spectacular when he did it. Like his catch in the back of the end zone when he mossed the dude was incredible. When he broke away on that jet sweep and hit that stiff arm at the end, incredible. Like everything he did throughout the game was like just effortless. Yeah. The catch where
2: he it was just unbelievable. The catch where he should have got tackled at like the ten. Juke somebody and stiff arm somebody else and and ran in. It's like nobody would have been mad if he got tackled at the five. He probably should have, but no, he takes it. He jukes the guy in front of him, stiff arms somebody else. And, and everyone talks about it because it's true. He's him and him and Chris Olave are slight. They're not big guys. They're not, you know, huge. They're not Julian Fleming, right? They're not DK Metcalf. And for him to like the juke is fine, but then for him to finish strong with the stiff arm and be like, no, I'm getting in the end
0: zone. Yeah, I mean, Olave and Wilson have two of the strongest stiff arms I've ever seen. And I think it was funny because Greg McElroy literally brought up how slight they are in their frames. And they're like, but they're wiry strong. So they're strong for their size. But like, we all know what that means. They're like, they're yeah. not. But they are competitive. And that's why they are able to do some of the things they do. Yeah,
2: 100%. And so, I mean,. Great game by him. Great statement. Great, like, hey, you know, next year is going to be a year, Jackson Smith, which is really not because he's Ohio State's leading receiver. But yeah. it's like, it's like, hey, hey, Jay said, don't forget about me, bro. Like, like, I'm like that too. I'm, I'm good. Don't like. I know you. I know you are talking about uh, Chris Olave. I know you, everyone thinks he's better than me. And then we have this sophomore come out of nowhere. But like, I'm here too, and I'm I'm just as good, as not
0: better, than everyone out here. And so, yeah. not let me not just have a good game. Let me dominate. Um, yeah. And then all the draft sites are like, that's our new number <laughs> one after the game. So uh, if you guys are following draft sites in November, guess what? Recency bias is a thing, and yeah. Garrett Wilson's the number one receiver in the draft right now.
2: Well, I will. It's definitely a thing, but I will say, just out of respect of him, there's a lot of people. Is, honestly. There's yeah. a lot of people that had him wide receiver one before, and me and you talk about this all the time. Like, who's going to go first? And it's really team preference because, like, yeah. Wilson has things that are more attractive, but like Alave is just a pro. Alave is like the perfect wide receiver, and I really hope one of them goes to the Bears. tell about yeah? Justin. That'd be awesome.
1: Just, they like just, Smith, yeah. just like
2: Devontae Smith, just like Jalen Waddle would be perfect. Yeah. But which one? That's a that's a that's a postseason conversation. But think yeah, about a, it. Think about it. That's a Friday gonna, conversation. Yeah, think yeah. about it, and we're going to get back to it because it's like, which one do we want on the Bears with Justin Fields? If you're not a Bears fan because of Justin Fields, like I don't know why you listen to us talk. Because I literally started listening to Bears podcast. Like I'm still a Colts fan, but like I'm literally listening to Bears podcast. I read all their stories. Like I'm reading everything I can about Justin Fields. I'm a
0: Bears fan. I'm a Colts fan yeah, first. But I'm a Bears fan. I follow almost as much Bears stuff now as I do Brown stuff, and that says everything you need to know. <laughs> yeah, so um,
2: we'll talk about that in the offseason. Maybe we can get one of those guys over to the Bears. Uh, so the other thing to talk about, um, man, we had two players, and they're the two players you would have least thought. Well, yeah, relatively you would have least thought likely. We had two players reach a thousand yards in this game for the for the season. Uh, first one was Travion Henderson. Uh, he is only the f- okay. I don't want really to get this wrong. I think he's the fourth freshman ever, but at least in recent history. But I do think it's ever. I think he's only the fourth freshman ever to rush for a thousand yards in their freshman season. Uh, that puts him up with Rod Smith, Maurice Claret, and um, um, J.K. Uh, Jonathan. Wow. J.K. Dobbins, I don't Cold know. Colts fans just, coming out. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just mixing everything up. That puts him with Maurice Clarette, Rod Smith, and J.K. Dobbins as only the fourth freshman in Ohio State history to rush for a thousand yards. And we have to remember this is with him getting like ten carries a game. Okay.
0: Yeah, it's kind of stupid how efficiently he got to a thousand yards. Yeah, it,
2: it just makes honestly just absolutely no sense. And then the other one uh, is. Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, he is the first wide receiver since Paris Campbell in 2018 to, uh, to receive for a thousand yards. And if you go through the stat book and stuff like that, and a part of it's because Ohio state has a lot of good receivers at one time. And other part of it's because we're mainly a running team, especially um, under urban Meyer where your quarterback's rushing for 2000 yards. We don't have thousand yard wide receivers a lot. Like it, and this year we're probably going to have two, potentially three, if Olave just goes off in the last couple of games. But Jackson Smith and Jigma, the third guy, the third receiver, the one that we didn't know how good he was, the one that we thought that you know the seniors were lying to hype him up because he was a young guy by saying how good he was. He's the first one to a thousand yards, and it's not pretty. It's not like necessarily close. Like he has like 150 yeah, yards not. or more on the other two. Um, I know he has, like, 300 yards on Alave. So, like, he – I wrote it in my yeah, article. Man. I think he came in with nine-something. Uh, Wilson had seven-something, and Alave had six-something.
0: Yeah, and in a game last week where, like, we literally needed him to be the best receiver on the field because they were bracketing and tripling Alave, uh, he did. And then this week to come back and, like, follow up that performance was, like, another really good performance, like – I, I made a comment, like, three weeks ago where I'm like, God, Jackson Smith and Jigman might be the best receiver of the three right now. And, you know, Garrett Wilson did a lot of things to try to, like, get me to switch back. But, like, I don't know. I, I still think Jackson Smith and Jigman, just the way he runs routes, the way he's always open, the way he's able to split defenders, it's just been special to watch since he's fully become weaponized, would be a good way to put it.
2: Yeah, that's facts. And I wrote it in my article, but he was leading Ohio State – In basically every statistical category except touchdowns for receivers. He was leading in catch, he was leading in yards, and he was leading in average yards per catch. Or he was second. I'm sorry, he was second in average yards per catch, but he was second to Omeka Igbuka, who just had like a really long one and has like nine catches on the year. So of the three, he's the leader in average yards per catch. Literally, the only one he wasn't leading in is touchdowns. He has the least touchdowns of the three. Those are all the statistical categories that matter. He is the best wide receiver on the field. Like yeah, yeah, a,
0: I, and it's crazy because, like, we have two first-round picks on the field right now.
2: And they're having great years. That's the thing. Like, they're having good seasons, too. Alave is either on pace or has already passed his best career mark at Ohio State because Alave's never had a 1,000 yards because we don't have a 1,000-yard seasons. Like, is having his best year at Ohio State. And his three years here, or his four years here. Garrett Wilson's having his best season. He's going to have a thousand yards. At this point, he's probably at nine hundred. He's going to have a thousand yards. And and potentially ten touchdowns with these three now. He's gonna have 10, like double digit touchdowns. They're having amazing seasons. And then there's Jackson Smith and Jigma, who's just having a better one.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Uh and then I, I can't circle back to Henderson, like him having a thousand yards, and then you know, like, Mayan Williams kind of had, like, the biggest run of bad luck ever for, like, four or five games in a row. He looked healthy again, and he was a 100-yard rusher, so that's five weapons at your disposal right now that are insane, and, like, this was a game where it didn't even feel like the tight ends were a part of the passing attack plan. Yeah, I don't even know if they threw a pass to him. I don't think there was a completion to a tight end today, and, like, like that's not a problem when you can find this balance. And a lot of it was the chipping and bringing in the extra blocker to like combat their defensive line. But at the end of the day, like when you're playing a team like Purdue and they have one special player, like we already discussed, it takes sometimes a little additional uh stuff to slow them down.
2: Yeah. Um, it is. It, there was not one to a tight end, by the way, uh, CJ Stroud had 31 completions, 28 went to the big three. Garrett Wilson had 10. Again, he had 10 for 126 and three touchdowns. Jackson Smith and Jigba had nine for 139 in a touchdown. And Chris Olave had nine for 85 in a touchdown. Um, yeah. Um, so that's 28 out of absurd. 31. That is absolutely absurd. And the crazy thing is like, if you really wanted to nitpick, you could say that a didn't have a great game. He only had a 56% uh, catch percentage. He had a couple yeah. of drops uh, and some stuff. One of them again, wasn't really the one in the end zone really wasn't on him. Uh, you expect yeah. him to catch it because of how good he is, but like that wasn't a great ball. So
0: yeah. Um, and then Stroud had to throw it where he threw it because of the two defenders, he yeah. was either going to lead him into a defender or not. There's that was like the window there.
2: Yeah. So it just kind of, it just kind of what it was. But I mean, yeah, it's just like everyone's like everyone's having a good day. When that offense is going, it's going, and but yeah, Jackson Smith and Jigba is somehow the best wide receiver we have, and Travion, It's just like I, I don't know. Sometimes I'm just like I wonder what would happen if we give Trayvon Henderson more carries, but then it's just like you just you don't need to. And it's funny because I was watching um I was watching big noon kickoff, and Reggie Bush was talking about that, and he was like, quote-unquote complaining when his coach was on the phone or whatever. I'm like, why didn't you give us more carries? Why didn't you give me more carries? It's like, his, well, one, we had another good back, and two, you didn't need them. You touched the ball and you had 10 carries, 100 yards. like You didn't need 20 carries. You didn't need to be a bell cow. And I'm starting to get that point with um, yeah. Travion, especially because I like and I like Evan Pryor, and we're, we're trying to get that one guy. Just give him 10 to 15. Let him stay healthy. He's still going to rush for 100 yards.
0: So I always think about this and this happens every single time. Oh. I see <clears throat> mine Williams or D or T go into the game. Cause they're just such big bags. Like you're going to try to tackle Travion Henderson. Who's not small in his own right. And he's super fast. And you're going to have to come in and tackle mine Williams who you're never bringing down one-on-one, like without giving up your soul. And then you're going to have to go back and try to tackle Travion Henderson again. Like, no, do not sign me up for that job. No, not at
2: all, not at all. Like, and then you're you're coming off of a block from freaking uh, NPF, and then all of a sudden it. you have to
0: take a freaking beating from Mind Williams because every time he runs, he's running to hurt people.
2: Yeah. So uh, I, I'm I'm cool with the balance. I, I'm cool with the especially when it looks like this. I mean, 14 yeah. carries, 117 yards, 13 carries, 98 yards, two touchdowns. Like, sign me up for that every day. Sign me up for it every game. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like That's your 25 carries. That's 27 carries. That's that's 27 carries for 200 yards and two touchdowns, essentially. Sign me up for it. I'm there. I don't need to One see that. So, as we start to wrap up, because we're getting close to an hour, a lot of good things. Ryan Day was in his bag. Jerron Cage, we have to mention that. He keeps making plays. He had that fumble mm-hmm. recovery. Uh, two players reached 1,000 yards in the season. Um No injuries, no suspension. Steel Chambers is still amazing. Um, It it, it was just, it was a good day. Uh, There was nothing really, we've already mentioned our minor nitpicky things. But the one thing I will say, uh, because I don't think I said it on the podcast, I just think I said it before. Uh, before we started recording. This is the game you needed to see from Ohio State after the last two, and you needed it against a good opponent because Purdue is a good opponent. This is not them doing it against Maryland. This is not them doing it against Indiana. It's not them doing it against Rutgers. Purdue is going to go 8-4 and four, most likely. They're going to get a good team in a bowl game, and I would most likely, even if it's an SEC team, I almost expect them to win. They are having a great season, and for Ohio State to do this against them, we needed to see it. And so, I'm I'm, happy. I think it was a good year.
0: And we talked about, like, Purdue's just an extremely hard team to prepare for on a week-to-week basis. So, when they're clicking, they're clicking. And, like, that's where they were at. And, honestly, if I'm uh, Jeff Braum, I'm, like, mad at this because a lot of the early points that separated the margin were mistakes Purdue made. Yeah. Fumbles. So, they could really – they could really actually still, like, even though they got blown out, come out of this next week being like, hey, if we clean this up, we could hang with teams like Ohio State. Like, that's good for them, I guess. So if you're a Purdue Hammer and Rails fan that found their way over here for whatever reason, that's a positive you guys can leave on.
2: Yeah, and one thing I want to just say to, re- to provide perspective, we, the both of us, were very hard on this offensive line, and we needed to because they had not played well, just being completely honest. But I think we need to provide some perspective. Michigan is a really, really good running team, and they did not run well against Penn State. I mean, I don't know the final stats, um, but Michigan had 46 rushing yards against Penn State at half. So maybe us not being good against Penn State wasn't a, you know, um, indictment on Ohio State. Maybe Penn State's really good. Uh, Granted, we need to see that again again. I think Michigan ran good maybe against Nebraska. So it's like we don't really have an answer for Nebraska, although Nebraska is a good team. But Michigan is, I think, the second best rushing team in the Big Ten But behind us. They're a top ten team rushing in the country, and Penn State shut them down. So it's like – Hey, maybe you just ran into a good team. There were some off things. We already talked about it. Play calling, different stuff. Off line didn't play great. But when you get a team that's not Penn State, you get a team that's not one of those, You it, it starts to come back. And Michigan State's not Penn State. Michigan's not Penn State. Whoever we play in the Big Ten Championship's not Penn State. That should give us some uh, perspective and some excitement as Buckeyes for the next three games. And then – You just hope that you have three weeks to plan for Georgia if we play them and Ryan Day gets in his Clemson bag.
0: Without a doubt. Yeah, this game is the game that should give you guys confidence going down the stretch. And that's honestly on both sides of the ball, and I keep saying that because Purdue is a good football team. 100%. Any final words? Uh, Next week is going to be a crazy one. I think the test of Kenneth Walker is going to be extremely fun to watch because – We've talked about it. Ohio State's run defense has been awesome. But they also haven't played Kenneth Walker. 100%. Uh, the closest we played
2: was, uh, oh, man. It'd be so good to see who's the better running back this season, Kenneth Walker and Mo Ibrahim. Like, who would have had the better season? That yeah. that We got robbed of that. But we haven't played a Kenneth Walker until we played and besides Mo Ibrahim and he ran all over us. But there's defensive improvements. It's game 11 instead of game 1. So, we already, we already touched on it. Next week is Michigan State. We play them at noon. Big noon kickoff is most likely going to be there. Uh, it's going to be a ranked game, and Purdue is not in the Big Ten East. So, it's nice to beat them, but you still got to beat Michigan State if you want to win the Big Ten East and if you want to run the game. You are going to beat the rival next week. So, uh, these, these games matter. They're ranked games. They're big games. And this gives you some confidence, but... We'll be back on Friday to talk about how we really feel about it. And with that, that's the recap. Go Bucks! Go Bucks! And Oklahoma lost, so have oh, fun with that one. We love that. <laughs> we love it. <laughs>